0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Hebron on this uh, wintry weekend of weather. I heard a collective gasp of yes from the children when they were being told they could go downstairs early. I'm taking it. They were excited about going to Sunday school rather than not having to sit through this. Um, let's turn to the, the word of God. We're continuing in Romans chapter five. This will actually be the last of our Um, series on Romans for this year we're going to take a break uh, and focus on Advent for the next three weeks and the approach to Christmas but the passage today is Romans chapter 5 verse from verse 17 down to the end of the chapter and we'll just take time to read God's word for if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen, this is God's word. May He bless it to us today. Well, he reminded us last week that this section of Romans chapter five focuses on a contrast between two men: Adam and Jesus Christ. And here is everything that you need to know about the gospel. And why you need Jesus Christ. It is captured in the contrast of these two men. We learn from Romans chapter 5. That both our sinfulness. And our salvation have very deep roots. Sunk in both of these men. In Adam we trace the root of our sinfulness. Of our separation from God. Leaving us under his condemnation. And then in Christ we trace God's salvation. His remedy to our sin. It is in Jesus. It is through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Last week the focus was mainly on Adam and our sin. This week we turn our focus to Jesus. And to God's amazing grace. As we think about God's salvation. And that's my heading For our short study this morning. Amazing grace. Grace is one of those. Words. Those biblical words that are. That's very familiar to us. But perhaps more difficult to actually. Sit down and define. We struggle to appreciate or. Understand the vastness of God's grace. Towards us. Philip Yancey in his wonderful book, What's So Amazing About Grace, he describes the word grace as one of the last best words. And by that he means it's a theological word that hasn't been spoiled by its modern use in our English language. You know, we can still get a glimpse of what grace looks like from the way that we use the word in our everyday conversation. For example, think of how we use the word grace from the the connotations and derivatives of the word. We refer to saying grace before a meal. A recognition that even the very food that we eat is a gift from God. Grace is a gift. At a restaurant, when we pay for the bill, and I hope you pay the bill and don't sneak out the back door, but when you pay the bill, you might add a gratuity reminds us that grace is generous grace gives grace has a cost and it's at the giver's discretion or at least it used to be most restaurants now seem to add the gratuity onto the bill And it's now the case that if you're not happy with the service, you have to ask for the gratuity to be taken off. Now, if you're not shy, that's fine. But it's a most ungracious way of doing it. Parliament might pass an act of grace to pardon a criminal. A student might receive a grace pass from university, exempting them from an exam. Now, I know it's exam season. I know there are many students here studying frantically for exams. I don't want you to go in on Monday and ask about, is it possible to get a grace pass? You'll need to keep your head in the books and keep studying. A composer might add grace notes to their composition. They're not essential to the underlying melody, but they transform the character of the entire piece of music. It reminds us that grace is transformational. Grace brings joy. Indeed, if you trace the root of the word grace in Greek, you will find a verb which um, describes rejoicing. I am glad. If you commit treason against the government, then you might find yourself described as a persona Non grata. It means a person without grace. You're not welcome in that country. And Yancy's point is that you can begin to build a picture of what grace means. And what God's grace involves. His kindness towards us. It is expressed in his gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. It is to be received. It involves pardon. It results in transformation and brings joy. And His grace is so much more. The classical biblical definition of grace is God's unmerited favor towards us, or God's love for the undeserving. A.W. Tozer describes grace as the good pleasure of God that inclines Him to bestow benefits. On the undeserving. And Romans chapter 5 reminds us that it is bestowed on us. As undeserving sinners who deserve his wrath. There's no way to sugarcoat it. But today's passage shines a bright light on God's amazing grace. And it's right there on the surface of the text. Look at verse 17. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace. Look at verse 20. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Verse 21. As sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness. So those are my two headings. As we think about our passage today, abounding grace and reigning grace. Well, let's think, first of all, verses 17 to 20. Let's think about God's abounding grace. In these verses, the the contrast between Adam and Christ is summarized. Here we have two very different men, each committed two very different acts With two very different consequences that flowed from their acts. Now as Willie pointed out last week, these two men are not here merely as individuals. They are representatives. They are heads of two very different families. Sounds like the plot of the Godfather. But Adam, the first man, is here as the representative of the whole human race. He is the father of humanity. He represents all humanity. And what Adam did had consequences, had implications for the whole of humanity, for everyone in his family. Jesus, he's described in 1 Corinthians 15 as the last Adam. And he is the representative of a new family. The family of the redeemed. Of people who belong to Jesus Christ through faith. Now this is not new. Uh, This is how God works throughout the Bible. Through a representative. Think of the high priest in the Old Testament. Going into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. What is he doing? He's representing the people before God. And that's what we have here, but only on a much grander scale. Now the big question for you today is to which family do you belong? Because the entire world is either in the family of Adam or in the family of Jesus Christ. By nature, we are all part of that fallen family of Adam. There is nothing that we can do to change that. But by the grace of God, through faith, Jesus Christ will bring you into his family to enjoy all the blessings of salvation and grace that come with that. Now, I guess it's true that in life, you can't choose your family. I didn't choose my parents. Uh, My parents didn't choose me. In fact, they wanted a girl. No wisecracks. But here is one situation where you can make a choice with regard to your family. That by choosing to receive God's free gift of righteousness in Jesus Christ by faith, you can be placed into the family of Jesus Christ. So here are two different men and they're two different acts. What does Paul say about the act of Adam? Well, look at verse 17 and also verse 18. He refers to one man's trespass, Adam's trespass, the trespass of one in verse 18. Now the word trespass it means to take a false step to cross the line adam crossed the boundary that had been set by god now go down to verse 19 what characterized that act of adam paul says by one man's disobedience he disobeyed god He directly disobeyed the command that God gave him. And the consequences of that one act of disobedience, well, look at the first half of verse 19. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Now that's many as in all in the family of Adam. All mankind. Look at the first half of verse 18, therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, all in the family of Adam. Look at the first half of verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Adam brought the whole of humanity. His entire family into the realm of sin and death. And put us under the condemnation of God. And we are all caught up in the sin of Adam. That's what verse 12 taught us last week. Now that would be a pretty bleak outlook for us all if the story just ended there. But Paul now on that dark canvas he paints the brightness of God's grace Into the picture. God's grace that is expressed to us through Jesus Christ. Praise God for Jesus. Praise God for the last Adam because out of God's abundant grace, Jesus Christ came into our world. He came into our world to reverse what Adam did. He came into our world to rescue us from condemnation. To bring us out of the realm of sin and death. And bring us into the realm of life and righteousness through him. Now let's think about the act of Jesus. This is where we think about the contrast of Jesus to Adam. Look at verse 19. Adam acted in disobedience. But Christ, in contrast, acted in obedience. By the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now many, here again, it's all in the family of Jesus Christ. You see the contrast? Adam disobeyed. He sinned. He brought death, judgment, and condemnation on the whole of humanity. Jesus obeyed God. And the consequences that flow from the obedience of Jesus. Well look at the second half of verse 18. So one act of righteousness. Or the act of righteousness of one Jesus. Leads to justification. And life for all men. That's all men. All people in the family of Jesus Christ. Now, this is an important point. That our justification, that our being made right with God, being declared righteous before a holy God, it rests entirely on the obedience of Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with us. It is all of grace and it is all on the obedience of Jesus Christ. And when we think of the obedience of Jesus... We shouldn't confine his obedience to his death. Because his whole life was characterized by obedience. And his death was the crowning act. It was the culmination of his obedience. That Jesus lived a perfect, sinless, righteous life. And he offered up that perfect life to God on the cross for our sin. Otherwise, we could never have been justified by faith in Jesus. Let me quote F.F. Bruce. He, He says this. The righteous life of Jesus in itself would not have met our need had he not carried his obedience to the point of death. But neither would his death have met our need, had the life which he offered up not been a perfect life. You see, not only did Jesus die in my place, he lived in my place. And this is... The amazing grace of God, that God would punish His own perfect Son for my sin, that Jesus would offer up His perfect life for me, and that Jesus would say to God, Let the disaster of Adam's sin fall on me, let your judgment against sin fall on me on the cross, and punish me, and I will atone for the sin of humanity. What grace! do you know there's even more to god's grace than that much more because jesus not only reversed the disaster of adam's sin not only does he bring us forgiveness for our sins but he brings us into a new family he he has created a new kind of humanity Because he brings those who trust him into the realm of righteousness and life. Because when I trust Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is my representative. That means everything he did, he did as my representative. He died for me. He lived for me. He was raised for me. And it means I share in everything that is Christ's. I even share in His glory. That's why the Bible describes the Christian as being in Christ. Because we are brought into an indissoluble, unbreakable, eternal union with Jesus Christ. What grace! This is the much more, the overflowing, the infinite, abundant grace of God. You see, Jesus not only saves me from the penalty of my sin, he breaks the power of sin and death over my life. Look at verse 17. To those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, Paul says, they reign in life. Through the one man Jesus Christ. Now the word reign really means to live like a king. Now that doesn't mean Christians live in, in luxury and extravagance and decadence like one of the, you know, the members of the royal family. It means to live like King Jesus. It's the idea of power and authority that comes from Jesus. That through Jesus Christ, that through his life that he gives to us, we have the power to live triumphantly over sin. To reign in life through Jesus Christ. This is what Paul goes on to expand on in Romans chapter 6. In verse 17 he says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness but now look at verse 20 Paul says now the law came in to increase the trespass but where sin increased grace abounded all the more Okay, Paul, you've talked about Adam, you've talked about Jesus, but what about the law? Where does the law of Moses, where where does the law fit in? Well, says Paul, the purpose of the law was to shine a light on our sin. To expose our sin, that sin could now be identified against the specific commands of God. It served to show sin for what it really is. Rebelling, disobeying God's commands. And Paul says in verse twenty that a consequence of this was that when the law came in and came in alongside sin, it served to stimulate sin and to increase the trespass. It's that fallen part of our human nature. That the prohibit the prohibition of something can tempt people to do more of what is being prohibited. If I tell someone, don't do that, then guess what they're Instinctively going to want to do. Out of curiosity, they'll think, why, why does he not want me to do that? But here's where Paul is leading to with the point that where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. In Greek, it's superabounded. where sin increased, grace superabounded all the more. And here's the point. That God's grace is greater than our sin. What an amazing truth this is. It's not that the grace of Jesus Christ is merely equal to our sin and cancels it out. His grace is greater than the sin in us. This is the super abounding, amazing grace of God that no one is beyond God's grace. No one is too bad um, that they cannot be saved. You know, I've met people who were convinced that they were too bad. Because of the sins they had committed in their life. That they were now beyond the grace of God. That the guilt, the burden of their guilt was too great. Paul is teaching us here that God's grace is greater than your sin. No matter what your sin. His grace is super abounding grace. Just think of the example of Paul who wrote these very words. Before he came to faith in Christ, he was a blasphemer, a murderer, consenting to the death of Christians. He was intent on destroying the church, putting men and women in prison. If anyone was beyond God's grace, surely you would have thought it it was Paul. His grace is greater than our sin. Abounding grace. Now reigning grace. Look at verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death. Grace also might reign through righteousness. Leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through one man. Adam. Through his trespass. Death reigned. Now here's the contrast. Through Jesus, through the last Adam, that grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life. Jesus Christ gives you eternal life. He gives you that life the moment you trust him. You are dead in Adam. He makes you alive to God. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Life that enables us to reign in life. But more than that, we will also reign in the life to come with Jesus Christ. It's eternal. It's unending. And for the Christian, the best is yet to come. So which family are you in today? You are either still in the family of Adam. In that family where sin and death reign. Living under the condemnation of God. In a sense a persona non grata. A person without grace. And by that I mean a person who has not received... Or experienced the wonderful grace of God in your life. You are living under his condemnation rather than living in the bliss of the amazing grace of God. You are either still in the family of Adam or by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus will lift you out of that family and place you into the family of Jesus Christ. And bring you into the realm of righteousness and life. And through him reign in life and for all eternity to enjoy the blessings of God's grace. And as Paul brings this chapter to a close, and as he brings this section of Romans to a close, this section on justification, he says, It is all through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's it. It is all through him. It is by God's grace. It is through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found. Was blind. But now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace my fears relieved. Now can you say this bit? How precious did that grace appear. The hour I first believed. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood. His mercy reigns. Unending love amazing grace God's grace is truly amazing let's pray Father thank you for your amazing grace thank you for the last Adam Jesus Christ thank you for his obedience thank you that he was obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross Forgive us, Lord, if your grace has ceased to be amazing to us. May your words speak into our lives today. That we might find your grace truly amazing as it is. Thank you for your grace that saved us while we were yet sinners. Father, we pray that this church might be marked by your grace And how we treat each other. May our families be marked by grace. And may we serve you humbly through your grace. May we share your grace with others. Father I just pray that you would open someone's heart here today. That they might see your grace for the first time. And how amazing it is and that you would bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I just ask for your blessing. Remember the children downstairs. We pray that you would work in their hearts and lives too. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.